This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team is it at all respectable to complain about shoulder soreness from getting a needle today absolutely like, you think it is absolutely you've got a professional an esteemed highly acclaimed professional athlete on the phone and i'm sitting here like sore because i got a, a vaccine uh, today i feel like I'm, it's embarrassing so i got to check first to make sure like do i want to tell him about this do i want him to know that i'm bothered by this i don't think i do Joining us now on the Western Hotline, Brett Boone, host of the Brett Boone Podcast, an Odyssey original featuring the most notable names in MLB and all-around sports every week. Hi, Brett. How you doing? Good. How was your fourth? It was good. Busy. You know, I'm, uh, I live down here by the beach, but I'm not a beach guy, if that makes sense. <laughs> okay. But, uh, once a year, I have to be, so I, I was out there all day. But actually, it was, it was a nice day. Sun came out, and uh, I'm glad it's the fifth. <laughs> it's one of those holidays where you're glad when it's over i i will be yeah, a long day we got fireworks at the end you know that's right pretty pretty uh typical scene familiar scene uh, i wanted to tell you i'll be in seattle next week not for the all-star game but the all-star game is in seattle It'll be my first time there and i wanted i was thinking about the all-star game i looked up your career three all-star appearances and the start in 2001 in Seattle when you played for the Mariners. I'm guessing that was like pretty pretty high on the list of highlights in your career. It was pretty cool because, you know, that was at the beginning of Safeco Field when it was kind of brand new. And that was kind of our, you know, that magical season we had. Yeah. We won 116 games and, and I had eight Mariners made the, the uh, All-Star game that year. Uh, it was my first start. We had a 15-game lead in the division. Uh it's almost like it was set up perfect. Like it, the, Seattle couldn't have drawn the all-star game on a better year and a better situation for their hometown team. And they showed out. Uh, it was pretty cool. It was, it was a really neat event. 
And this year it doesn't set up as good for the Mariners. You know, they're not yeah. – they're, they're kind of falling below expectations how th- people thought the season would go thus far. But they've got – you know, they got Julio. He'll be in the home run derby. I think they added a few late additions with Kirby and Julio. Castillo made the original roster. But, uh, you know, Seattle does a good job. It's, it's a great city, and uh, they'll put on a good show. You've probably been asked this many times – just that 01 Mariners team, one of the best teams in baseball history, 116 and 46. Do you feel like it's, does it, it doesn't get remembered like it should because of the postseason loss? No, I, you know, I think it gets remembered, but there's always that asterisk. And, it, and it's almost in a negative connotation, you know, as great yeah. as that year was, uh, for, for that city, for myself personally, for, for my team, it was an unbelievable run. And anytime you do something that remarkable, and I don't think we'll ever see a 116-win uh, team in, in our lifetime, whenever you do something that special, if you don't go all the way, if you don't put that cherry on top, it seems like, wait a minute, what, what happened? And, and I think as players, it was such an unbelievable year. We just kind of showed up at series by the end. It's like, no, we show up and, and we win series. That's what we do. We win every series we play. And there was no real, there was no real uh, urgency or if we, you know, if we might lose. And I remember rolling into Cleveland, uh, wasn't an easy series for us, but we won like we expected to. And then we went to New York and we figured, well, we've got to play these three or four games to win this series where we go to World Series and collect our trophy. Hmm. And next thing you know, we were on a bus leaving New York, kind of shell-shocked. And I remember just looking, and it wasn't, you know, I don't, I don't say that in egotistical or an arrogant vein. It was just how special that season was going for us. It, it was kind of the way it was supposed to go. And I remember getting in that bus and going back to, the, you know, getting ready to go on the plane and just looking at my teammates like that didn't really just happen right there. And uh, yes, it did. And uh, that's why baseball is baseball. And, and you never know. That's why last year, when the Dodgers had that unbelievable year, won 111 games, they get ousted by the San Diego Padres who won 89 games. Yeah. So you just never know, and uh, I, I think that's why it's the, the greatest game in the world because you really do never know. I I love the playoffs like every fan, but I'm somebody Brett that that's a little bit disappointing to me when the te- a team that so defines its regular season doesn't end up winning it. Like this is sort of a now it's even more it's even harder for a, a team like that to get through because you have more playoff teams and just there's more work to do. So, you know, it is what it is, but I, I feel like the most memorable seasons are the ones where one team, like your Mariners team uh, that year, just dominated and you're just watching history be made. You know, I like it when those teams win. Well, it's a different time. You know, back in 40, 50 years ago, there were two teams from each league that just made the postseason. You had one playoff, and then you're in the World Series. So there was a much there was a much bigger precedent and, and emphasis on the regular season. Who truly had the best season? You were rewarded were rewarded handsomely, and you really didn't have that huge postseason to get through. It's quite the opposite nowadays. You know, I don't think it's any easier nowadays than it was in 1970 to say win a World Series because it's a different set of rules, different challenges. The the regular season back then was much more rigorous because you had to win. Because if you didn't, you you don't go to the postseason. Uh, You have to win your division. Now with the wild cards, it's it's the easiest that it's ever been in Major League Baseball history to get to the postseason and probably the toughest in Major League history to get to the World Series because you got to go through three rounds. 
Uh, that being said, I think it's good for the game. I think more cities are involved. There's more excitement down the stretch. There's not teams that are out of the out of the hunt at, at all-star break. So I think overall, from a fan standpoint, from a city-to-city standpoint, from a baseball in general standpoint, I think it's I think it's a good product. But no, I'm with you. I, I like when hey, it's 162 games and we got to grind it out. And and you look at a year ago when the Phillies come out of nowhere as that wild card, and they're a couple games away from winning the World Series. I think in today's game with the setup, and I had a talk with with uh, the great angel Tim Salmon, and he explained it to me. He said, Booney, in 2002. We won the World Series, and he said, and we were, it's like we were in the playoffs the whole month of September, just trying to get a seat at the table to get to the postseason. So he said, when we finally clinched it that last week of the season, we'd already had a month of playoff baseball behind us, and the, the guys that had, had wrapped it up earlier, they were waiting for us to get there. He said, I felt that that, he, this is him talking, yeah. he said, I felt that worked to our advantage, and we kind of just steamrolled through. Next thing you know, uh, we win the World Series. So I, I think there's some some validity to that that I had never really thought about until we brought it up. And, and I think that's just the nature, the way it is in 2023. I love that Angel team. That's one year after your Mariners team we're talking about here. Right, and, and, right. and they chased us down. That was the year of the Moneyball and, and Oakland A's, and, and they had that unbelievable 21 or whatever they mm. won in a row. People forget the Angels won like 18 in a row. We were the, we were leading that division through the all-star break and it looked like we were going on to another great season. <laughs> Those two ball clubs and back then the American League West, it was probably the, the class of baseball at that time, in the early 2000s. They both came down and, and tracked us, my Mariner team down at the end and left us kind of holding the bag with no postseason. I think we won 92 games and we were going home. So mm-hmm. that was a, that was a fun time and a, and a great division then. With Brett Boone. Brett, I should apologize to you. Part of our interaction is me sending through our go-between Jordan topic ideas, and I did not mention the 2001 Mariners. Uh, I, I should, you know, if you're somebody that, like, uses oh, that. That's no big deal. But I, I would like, thank you, I would like to ask you, how did you like playing for Lou? Uh, my favorite of all time. All right. And all right. Not only that, probably one of my favorite baseball men that I've ever met in the game. And, and to this day, Lou and myself are very close. Didn't start off that way. Uh, we were at each other's necks when I was a young kid. And, uh, you know, just my hair on fire coming to the big leagues. And I got this big skipper, this big famous Lou Pinella, who was going to teach me a lesson. And he was going to humble me. And believe me, he did. We went round and round when I was a rookie. He'd send me down. He'd bring me up. He'd yell at me. We'd go toe-to-toe in his office. <laughs> Never physically fought, but came close a couple times. Uh, I got traded by Lou early in my career. Uh, came back to Seattle in 2001 and reunited with him. And uh, unbelievable. He's a great. He's a great man. He, they they broke the mold uh, when Lou Pinella was born. There's no one I've ever met like him. But but he's a he's a gamer and he's a, he's a guy. You know, Lou, Lou's kind of misunderstood in a lot of ways. The, the thing I say about Lou is not everybody can play for him, but if Lou respects you as a man and as a ball player, uh, he will take a bullet for you. If he doesn't respect you as a man or as a ball player, either or, uh, it could be a long year for you. So you, it's got to be that you got to have the right temperament, the right personality to play for Lou. But if you do, uh, I couldn't imagine a, a, a more enjoyable time uh, from how funny he is to just 
watching his antics and throwing bases and, and then the things he just says in the dugout when, when you don't expect it. And you're like, Skipper, what are you talking about? Watch the game. He's just he's one of those classic guys that I uh, can't say enough good things about. I'm so glad I asked you. And for a second, you pause right at the beginning of your answer. I'm like, oh, no, is this going to be you bad? Didn't know, you didn't know what was coming. No, yeah. because it's possible like that I, not only was it going to be negative, but I should have known it. And I had no I had no idea what your answer would be. So yeah. I, I got lucky. You know, this yeah, is a, it was awesome. Cool. This is a nice segue now because I did list earlier to ask you about something that happened yesterday in a game between the Cubs and the Brewers. The Cubs manager, David Ross, was like he was thrown out. The first base coach, Napoli, was thrown out first. And then the manager, because they were upset with balls and strikes. And what I wanted to know from you, in your experience, which, which is more likely, Brett, that like today it would all be forgotten? The manager, the umpire, the umpires probably have to, <laughs> they're used to that, so they have to sort of take on a certain way. Um, or would that, would that linger? Like, I'm sure there are managers and umpires that are not friendly with each other. So what, what's likely to happen the day after this? Well, I think, you know, I know David Ross is a pro. It depends who the umpire was. And, and it, the game has changed. The, the, the players have changed. They're, they're, they're different nowadays. Uh, the umpires are different. It, back in when I was coming into the game, it was kind of the good old boys club, you know, and they were there and they and they were tenured in and the, nobody could fire those umpires. Right. They were there for a long time and they had thick skin and you had to have thick skin as a player as well. Today it's a little bit different and I almost feel bad for the umpires to a degree. Uh, I had Mike Cheetah on the uh, my my show recently and he's a 25-year veteran umpire. He was there my whole time and my for my whole career. And I have a, a, a lot of respect. Or I'm sorry, Mike Cheetah, Tim Cheetah. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for him. And, and I talked to him, and I said, break it down for me. These umpires today, he said, Booney, I'll tell you this. Behind the scenes, how they train. He said, these umpires, from a, from a uh, technical perspective, are better than they've ever been in the history of this game. And that's coming from a guy, you know, that's got a lot of pride from his his generation. So I, I put a lot of credence in, in when he says that. I feel bad for the umpires today because they are so scrutinized. The technology we have, and I, I get caught up in it as well. You know, anybody can be that armchair quarterback because of that stupid white box on the screen. <laughs> that's really not even accurate. They should put it at the top. Um you know, for for your viewing pleasure only. This is this is only a test because it's it's not an accurate test, and and, and anybody can say, oh, if that ball didn't hit the line, it's a ball. Uh, the the managers now they have TVs in the dugout. We never had that, so everything is so criticized. I think it's I think it's tough being an umpire nowadays because back in the day, you had to do it with your naked eye. If I'm watching a game from from the field at second base or I'm watching a game on the couch. I, I can pretty much, I know my eyes and I can know what's a ball and a strike today. It's if it hits the line or if it doesn't. So I think the umpires kind of get an unfair shake in today's game. And it's because of all the technology we have. I think it'd be better for the game on the field. Maybe not for the entertainment value that, that we get by having that white box. If they'd remove the white box, I think it would make, It'd make it a lot easier for everybody, and there wouldn't be so much. That's a strike. That's a ball. It was never like that before. Mm-hmm. I can remember from I worked in baseball in the '90s a little bit, and you'd hear this on TV all the time too. Like players just want consistency. 
And you'd have umpires who maybe even were known for he's going to call the outside strike, which means off the plate. Or, you know, you'd have, you'd know their tendencies, but, um, it wasn't exactly letters to the knees, right? So was, was that true in your case that you just wanted to know if you're going to call that pitch off the plate in the first inning, you got to call it all day? Yeah. In, in, in my day, it was much wider of a strike zone. I mean, they got off the plate both sides. It wasn't up and down. It, it, it was smaller up and down than the strike zone is today. But yes, the, all we ask is players, we take into consideration that there's a human element involved. And, and this is really hard to, to, to get down to a micro inch. I don't even know if that's a word of, <laughs> of a ball and a strike. But as hitters, all we ask for early in the game, establish your strike zone. Let us know as hitters what's a ball, what's a strike. And as long as you stick to those, that, that what you've established early in the game, those are the best umpires. And I can deal with that. If I, if I know he's calling the, the pitch down at the bottom of that zone and maybe off the plate away, well, then you better not call it in as well. Or if you better not call that high strike. As long as he establishes himself and sticks with that, we as players, we know the strike zone and we know what each individual umpire is calling. The best in the world are the guys that establish that zone, stick with it, and, uh, you know, different set of circumstances there. But, yeah, I hope that answers your question, Mm -hmm. how it was and how it is now. I do agree completely with your point about how tough it is for the umps. Like, you'll see now there's Twitter accounts with their stats. The next day, this umpire had the plate, and he had a 94% success rate. And it might be, it, that tweet might come with somebody criticizing him for it. I think to myself, 94% isn't good. I mean, I know it's the major leagues. It seems like it'd be pretty hard to get to 100%. That's even just granting that you, that you accept that the technology is accurate. You know, 94%. Wait, that guy had a bad day? I don't know. It seems, it seems pretty harsh. Right. And, and that's why, that's why I really took a lot of, uh, assurances in Tim or, uh, Cheetah telling me mm-hmm. that because as we know, each and every one of us have an ego. We, we are very, uh, we like to defend our generation. You know, there's nobody that's going to come to you and say, Hey, the players are better now than when you played or, or this generation's better than that. We're all very proud of our generation. So I didn't expect that answer from, from him when I asked him, but for him to say that, put the ego aside and say, Brett, technically they're just, they're as good as they've ever been. That said a lot to me, and it went a long way because because I know he wouldn't say that if if he really meant it, really felt it. So mm-hmm. it's a tough it's a tough thing, and and it's just they weren't scrutinized back then. Before this technology, twenty thirty years ago, you didn't hear about these stats and this guy stinks and that guy stinks. Well, we didn't have social media either, so it was a different animal. But now with all this technical stuff, it's like I'm sure these umpires just they see that white box and it's just oh man, it, it's going crazy because yeah. now. Everybody at home, everybody's an expert. You know, my wife's sitting on the couch. She goes, she could care less about baseball, but she'll say, well, that was a strike because it hit that white line. And I'll say, you know, go into the other room. I can't, I can't deal with it. But I, I find myself getting caught up in it too, you know. And there's so many variables, breaking balls, um, two-seam fastballs that might touch that white line. But they, the average guy doesn't know that didn't cross the plate as a strike. And I'm up there as a hitter. It's a completely different view. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I love the technology, but mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't love the technology because it doesn't give a, a, a real true test of what it's really like back then. That is absolutely like the, the biggest dilemma in sports, like in, in football, where you've got like this 
replay, 30 years of it now or more, you, you come away with this expectation of perfection. Like, we can see everything now, so we should know whether a play was a catch or a fumble or just what, a ball or a strike. And it's just not, like, it's just not reasonable, I think. You know, like, it's so fast. And it's expected that there will be mistakes, right? I mean, judgments. But football, if not all sports, want to get to this place where, like, no, we have to, we're going to have replay for this now. We're going to slow the game down more. We're going to look at it from all these different angles. And it's just, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm a hater when it comes to that stuff. And these, and these camera technology is getting ridiculous how good it is. Yep. I mean, how, how slow can you slow it down? Well, about as good as it gets. Uh, you know, you feel like you're you're a scientist in a lab. You see that well. So, yeah, as the technology gets better, uh, the critique is going to get heavier. But we know what we're signing up for as players as well. You know, players, you're, there's no more getting away with anything. It's like, no, if he was safe, he's safe, and he's out, he's out. Um, so you know what you know what you're signing up for, though. You know, when you when you sign a contract, if you're an umpire, you go to umpire school and you make a real nice salary and you get a lot of perks by being in the big leagues, uh, you know what you sign up for. It's like, yeah, a lot of perks, but here's the downside. You're going to get critiqued every day by, by the Twitter yeah. by the Twitter swarm. So, uh, you know, that's just a part of the job, and you know that going in. Right. A few minutes left with Brett Boone. Brett, how, what, what are the effects of the trout injury? Well, I think it's huge. I, I think there's a lot of teams this year that, that better themselves, L.A. being one of them, Texas. I knew they were going to be a better ball club, but I didn't think they were going to be that much better. For me, in the end, and, and I have, you know, there's certain teams that I keep an eye on. Of, of course, my Mariners, because that's kind of what I consider, you know, my home is Seattle. I always keep a special eye on them. Obviously, my brother in New York with the Yankees, I'll keep an eye. And and a, a, a real close friend of mine, was we were high school teammates. Uh, he's He put in a lot of time, and he's a great man, and he's a smart baseball man. Finally got his opportunity in L.A., uh, with the Angels and Phil Nevin, and to see them doing that much better uh, is is great. The Mike Trout thing, anytime you know you put throw Shohei Otani out, he's he's kind of a you know he's kind of doesn't count these days. He's so good, uh, but Mike Trout's still arguably the best player in the game. Anytime you lose somebody like that, wow, that's definitely going to be be a big blow. But in that division, in that American League in general. I don't think LA is what it got, what it takes to be one of those six teams. I just don't think they can pitch enough. But Trout definitely even lessens that opinion. That that now I don't know. It's going to be really tough without him. Tough for the fans too. I mean, the guy you want to pay to watch, and he'll be out a while with a broken hand. All right, Brad, I'll let you go. Thanks a lot for today. Glad uh, to hear you're doing well, and I'll talk to you in a month. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Brett Boone, host of the Brett Boone Podcast, an Odyssey original. Make sure to follow the Brett Boone podcast on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.